Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the show. So obviously, the federal election is now well underway uh, with all of the parties talking about uh, economic recovery and housing uh, and putting forward their plans. Uh, and so what are some of the major parties' plans to deal with the housing market and to move us out of COVID-19 economic recovery? Well, I have three candidates here with me to uh, discuss that. So joining me now is Adam Vancouverton. He's the Liberal candidate for re-election in the riding of Milton. Uh, Philip Lawrence is the Conservative candidate for re-election in Northumberland, Peterborough South. And Amy Norman is the NDP candidate for the riding of Labrador. Uh, so I'll start off with, uh, obviously, many people are saying that uh, economic recovery from, from COVID is uh, an opportunity to implement uh, new programs. Uh, the NDP give examples such as pharmacare or universal dental care. Um, so, Adam, I'll start off with you. Um, do you believe that, that the economic recovery is an opportunity to uh, implement programs such as pharmacare, dental care, or, or just what are some other steps that, that you would like to see and that the Liberal Party would like to see uh, taken to make our uh, economic recovery smoother? Well, thanks, Wyatt. I think you uh, you posed some great uh, examples of important aspects of our economic recovery. Uh, just yesterday, I was actually at a, a training uh, site for, for dentists for a foreign qualification certification. So that's uh, dentists, doctors, pharmacists who come over to Canada, immigrate here with, with qualifications. And one of the aspects that I'm really excited about is making sure that those foreign qualifications are easier to achieve so that they can get back to work quicker. Um, the anecdote that they consistently use is that, you know, a lot of doctors and dentists are driving Ubers in Canada when they could be earning quite a lot more and contributing more to the economy. Uh, so one of the most uh, important aspects of our plan for a more resilient economy that I'm a big fan of is creating a million new jobs and restoring uh, pre-pandemic unemployment numbers. Uh, the Liberal Party was really proud of the fact that our uh, unemployment numbers were the lowest ever in Canadian history uh, in 2019 before the pandemic hit. So we got to get back there. And I think the, the Liberal Party is um, is well suited to, to help get Canadians back. Obviously, the government doesn't create all the jobs. We've got to create and produce an environment conducive to building jobs. Uh, but the other thing that I'm really excited about, just lastly, don't take up too much of your time, is uh, is is the Canada Workers Benefit. This is an important uh, thing that I've been looking at changing for a long time, actually, because the Canada's worker Canada Workers Benefit will provide an additional $1,400 per year for lower income workers, and it'll pull an additional 100,000 Canadians out of poverty. Okay, Phil. So um, to pose a question to you now, the Conservative Party has been. Uh, critical of the level of debt that the Liberal government has spent uh, during the pandemic. So um, often giving the examples that they're leaving behind too much money for future generations. Um, but oftentimes the Liberal argument to this is, um, and, and I've heard it from people like Sean Frazier and others, and it's just without these supports, um, Canadians would be in, in an even worse position um, because they didn't have the supports available to them. So what would be your, your response to that? And just why, why does the Conservative Party believe that the ongoing uh, debt is, is a problem? Oh, seem to have lost him. Maybe uh, if I can just go on to Amy now quickly. Um, I'm gonna ask a, a question about the debt and uh, the deficit. So um, how, how big of a problem do you think our national debt is and, and what are the NDP proposing to uh, to, to lower the debt and to reduce our national debt. Yeah, certainly. Um, I think, you know, our, our national debt levels 
to a certain extent are, are worrisome. Um, but at the end of the day, the NDP uh, plan and our commitments to Canadians are all about, you know, ensuring that life is better for everyone. Um, so to, to pay for some of these um, programs and different things that we have in mind to make things better for everyone, uh, we plan on raising our revenue through new, fair, and uh, progressive taxation sources. Um, so, you know, not just going further into debt, but actually raising our revenue uh, with new sources, closing tax loopholes, um, you know, ensuring uh, the ultra-rich pay their fair share, um, ensuring that internet giants, so tech companies like Facebook and Google pay their fair share here in Canada. Um, and it's through these new ways that we're going to be able to um, you know, invest in stronger social programming and uh, really building back a, a better economy for everyone, one that works for all Canadians. All right, Phil, uh, I don't know if your internet's back up. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, the Conservatives have obviously been critical of uh, the national debt that uh, that they say the Liberal government has created or and that the Liberal government has left behind for future generations. So just why is uh, the national debt, in your view, an ongoing problem? And just how can the Conservative Party fix it? I mean, Aaron O'Toole said that um, he'll uh, balance the budget in 10 years without making any cuts. Um, so just how is that possible? And, and, and why is this national debt such a problem? So first of all, let me uh, let me show you this. We've got it right here. It's all online. Look at that handsome fellow there, Aaron O'Toole, uh, Canada's recovery plan. And uh, I, you know what? One thing why I've been really excited about, and I have to give credit both Amy and Adam with both their their answers, is that uh, this election so far has really been about policy. Um, I think that the mudsling has been kept to a minimum. There's always a little bit. Um, but uh, it's been kept to a minimum. So really credit to all the major parties, including the Liberals and the NDP, uh, for making about policy. And so uh, when, when Conservatives, and it's actually kind of fitting, my internet went out, uh, because one of our key drivers is that by 2025, we want to, of course, have high-speed rural internet. And I'm at my home in Orono. You can see the lovely stone home behind here. Um, but these stones are not so great for the internet. Um, and so uh, we have, like, I... I I had to, during the pandemic, actually go to my constituency office um, because I couldn't get uh, decent internet service at my home, which was not ideal because obviously we were supposed to be locked down, but for virtual parliament, I had to, I had to actually go to my constituency office. So one of the things we want to get accomplished to drive, to drive the economy is get that real internet. When we look at the debt and deficit, the challenge is, you know, it's not about dollars and cents for us, it's about people. And if, in fact, the deficit continues to grow, we're at one point, or the debt, I should say, we're at 1.3 trillion. And we supported a lot of the measures that, uh, that Adam, I'm sure, is going to talk about, uh, whether it be the CERB or other benefits. Um, but we need, to, we, need to, we need to go forward in a way that's fiscally sustainable. We're not asking to balance the budget overnight. That would be impossible um, without, without drastic cuts. And we, we don't want to do that. We actually want to increase the funding in healthcare by over $60 billion. That's a 6% year-over-year driver increase. So that's phenomenal. But we've got a plan to do it at a reasonable pace 10, uh, 10 years out. And the reason why you want to do it, Wyatt, is, and, and, and you're probably getting to know this as you get an allowance or, um, or uh, as, as Adam or Amy has, has, has uh, balanced their family, um, has balanced their family uh, budgets, 
you know what, if your credit cards are to, to such a level that it's, it, the interest is eroding other things, that means that there's not money to pay for your kid's education. There's not money to pay for healthcare. And so we need to make sure that we balance the budget on a reasonable course over the next 10 years. Um, and that's, that's our plan and I'm really proud of it. Um, and uh, so that we can make sure that we're not saddling you. Right now we're at 40 or $50,000 that why you already owe the, the, the federal government. Um, we need to make sure that that, that that growth is limited going forward. So, because it gets to a point where it's just not fair putting all that debt onto you wide and onto, you know, my son JT and, uh, and Maggie. Um, and so we have an ethical obligation to the next generation to make sure that the debt doesn't crowd out their future. Adam, you've just uh, heard some comments from your NDP and conservative colleagues on the issue of the national debt and deficit. So maybe just talk a little bit about uh, the national debt and deficit and just a bit about the liberal plan as uh, as well to help reduce the debt because obviously it is a problem and uh, eventually it does have to get solved. So just what are some things that you would like to see and some steps you would like to see taken? Thanks, Wyatt. Our, our approach to dealing with the debt and the deficit is, is all about growth and making sure that our economy continues to grow at a sustainable pace and we invest in the right places. One of the most important ways, one of the most exciting things that I think a lot of parties have been talking about and advocating for for many years is investing in subsidizing universal childcare across our country so that it's $10 a day or less. Uh, Quebec has had $8 a day childcare for a decade now. And the implications of that on the economy in Quebec are very, very clear. Women can get back to work without having to absorb extraordinarily high costs for childcare. It actually has really positive impacts on the social development of youth, according to many studies as well. So uh, if women can get back to work sooner after having a child uh, and we can get back to having a double uh, income uh, from two parents, uh, and I, you know, I don't wanna be too normalist about family structures and stuff, but when women have to stay home because uh, because of their, uh, they're overly burdened by you know, $5,000 a month childcare costs, uh, there are not that many families that can afford that. So subsidizing it is a great way to grow the economy. Uh, and I'm looking forward to implementing that here in Ontario. Um, one of the things I'd say with respect to deficit and debts and this conversation in Canada is that I think all too often we use comparisons like credit cards and mortgages to describe national debt. And I don't think that's fair. I think it's important to recognize that national debt is a lot different than personal debt. And while it needs paying off and definitely we need to focus on, you know, um, on paying off debt. We also have to recognize that national debt's a lot different than credit card debt. Um, one of the reasons is because our country uh, inflates every year. We grow. Uh, there's a little bit of inflation every single year. So the country of Canada literally prints money every single year to account for that. Uh, we also control interest rates and um, we have a Fed bank. And um, it's more important that we, we address the debt to GDP ratio, which is actually the relationship uh, of how we grow, how much we grow and how much we owe. Uh, and that actually represents the burden of the debt on Canadians. And our plan is to ensure that the debt to GDP ratio consistently falls with good growth and uh, reasonable uh, inflation over the next 10 years. And that'll contribute to the, uh, the economic mobility, upward mobility of Canadians, as well as a reduction in the burden of the debt. All right, Phil, and so I'm going to move to a new topic now uh, on housing, which is obviously a big issue as well uh, during this election. And so um, in terms of I mean, uh, your party released uh, their housing plan uh, a couple of weeks ago. So maybe just take a moment to outline some uh, of, of the main points of, of your party's housing policy and just uh, why, why you believe your party's plan um, is best and, and why uh, it's better when you compare it to the plans of, uh, of the other parties. 
I apologize for what I'm going to do with politicians should never do a debate, uh, especially to my friend Wyatt. Uh, but I just wanted to briefly respond to 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 what Adam said. And so I, I, I would fundamentally disagree. And in fact, the, the challenge is, is that we can inflate. And that's actually what has happened. Um, inflation is out of control. We're at 3.7%. And what that means is the cost of everything goes up. If you've been to the grocery store, strawberries have gone from a buck 99 to 3.99. And when the when the prime minister said, and I say this with love and respect, uh, when the prime minister said, forgive me if I don't care about monetary policy, he was basically saying, I don't care how unaffordable life gets for people. Um, and so we cannot inflate our way out of it because it hurts our pensioners. I can't tell you how many how many senior citizens I went out the, uh, the doors who are struggling to get by because life has become unaffordable because we've had too loose a monetary policy. So if I no one on this panel is old enough, uh, certainly not Wyatt. Uh, and I don't believe Amy or Adam either. Um, I believe I might be the oldest, actually, but uh, to remember the 1980s. But we ran a thing called stagflation. And what happened there is because we let monetary policy go wild, we ended up with mortgage rates of 18, 20 percent. We had inflation rates out of control. Uh, and we're, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And I kind of outspoke. I, I, I'll take back. I didn't say inflation is out of control. We're on a trajectory to get it out of control. And I apologize and overstated there. But, um, but if we let that happen, well, because of the way that we have so much debt, both provincially, individually, and federally, it would be substantially challenging. And so we can't let inflation, and we certainly can't let interest rates uh, uh, grow dramatically. And with respect to housing, I'm back on, to on topic here, Wyatt, um, is that uh, we have a great plan, a plan to build a million homes, right? And you know what, ultimately, um, it it'll be a, a partnership between the private and public sector. Quite frankly, gov the, the, how far we are behind, and Adam would know this because he's got relatives down here, um, in, in my riding, we've got a 0% uh, availability or a 99.9% .9 occupancy rate in uh, Northumberland, Peterborough South. Um, and so the government just simply does not have enough resources to, to build enough homes by themselves. And so what we need to do is we need to encourage and incite and send um, um, the private sector to build homes. And like I said, we've got that plan to build over a million new homes. So we'll certainly, uh, we'll certainly the government will do their part, but perhaps just as importantly, if not more importantly, we will work with the private sector to get those homes built, get people in houses, and the other part of it is uh, the number one real estate holding holder in uh, in Canada right now is the federal government. We've got a plan to um, to sell some of those properties to make them available for affordable housing and other things like that. So, um, yeah, that's my answer there. And I'm sorry, Adam, I I, uh, I couldn't help but uh, engage on that there. <laughs> I do just want to bring Amy into the conversation. Um, so. Obviously, housing's been a big issue. You mentioned you haven't knocked on a whole lot of doors yet, but with the doors you have knocked on, um, what are some of the concerns that you're hearing in regards to housing, and what are some things that you personally believe uh, could, could help solve the, uh, the issue of housing in your riding and across Canada? Yeah, so my riding is pretty unique. Um, I'm in Labrador. We have a really interesting mix of like super rural, super isolated, super northern. Um, but we also have some, you know, regular small towns that kind of look just like the average small town across Canada. Um, and I've been hearing no matter what part of my riding you're in, housing is an issue. How it manifests as an issue is a bit different. Um, so in the northern communities like Nain, you have 
overcrowding in housing um, and you have poor quality houses with mold. A lot of the issues that you hear around uh, across Indigenous communities and across Northern communities. Uh, in other places like where I am in Happy Valley Goose Bay and in Labrador City in Wabush, you hear more about um, the lack of affordable rental units um, and the housing prices just ballooning. So all across, I'm hearing that housing is a massive issue. Um, but I'm really excited that the New Democrats plan is going to help people um, no matter what kind of your background is. So we have a really awesome and ambitious plan that's really going to make a difference in every single community. Uh, we have plans that will help renters and homeowners and future home buyers. Um, so things like creating uh, over a half million units of affordable rental units um, and with at least half of that being completed in the next five years. Uh, this is going to be done through partnering with provinces, with municipalities and co-ops um, and with different uh, social housing kind of um, operators and things like that. And this plan is also going to help uh, create a lot of jobs. So, you know, we plan on building all these affordable units and it takes people to actually build them and to retrofit the older ones uh, to make them, you know, energy efficient and, and to safe to live in. So it, it's a really exciting plan. It's going to create a lot of jobs. It's going to create some good quality housing for people all over, um, no matter what people's situation or where they're living. All right, Adam, and uh, I'll just, we've heard from your two other candidates here, uh, your fellow candidates on uh, their party's housing plan. So um, why, why would you kind of prefer the Liberal plan over the uh, over the plans uh, that the, that your two colleagues have, have talked a little bit? Why? You're assuming that he prefers the Liberal plan. What if he prefers the Conservative plan or the NDP plan? We don't know that for sure yet. Let me burst. <laughs> let me burst. Let me burst your bubble, Phil. Oh, I prefer the Liberal plan because I got to contribute to it. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit how I got to contribute to it. I mean, I'm not going to take your bait, Phil. Um, I'm not going to take your inflation bait. I, I, won't, I won't talk about how 2020 was basically a deflationary period and that a 3.6% inflation rate right now is a snapshot, not the average over the, 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 uh, the 12 month period of the year. But we can talk about that hopefully when we're both back in Ottawa. Because um, I'm Okay, I'm, I'm cheering for you. I, I can say that, right? You've got a good candidate, good liberal <laughs> candidate there, but I'm cheering for you. Um, so our liberal housing plan is the most ambitious. It's also the most feasible, and I'm proud of it because I got to contribute to it. I ran on a housing first uh, platform in 2019 because I'm a proud co-op kid. I was raised in co-op housing, community housing with my single mom. My dad was always in the picture. I don't like to suggest that I didn't have a great dad because his name's Joe, and he lives in Peterborough, just north of where Phil's at. So... Um, <laughs> And, I, and I, I love my dad, but my mom raised my brother and I in co-op housing. So I've always been a huge advocate for co-ops. And I've been, you know, anytime I had the chance to talk to Christy Freeland or Ahmed Hussein or the prime minister, I talk about the importance of making sure that co-ops are in the mix. And I heard my friend, uh, my new friend, Amy from Labrador, talk a little bit about co-ops as well. Um, but our housing strategy is threefold. The first is to unlock home ownership. And that's a whole bunch of strategies to make sure that home ownership is a possibility, more of a, uh, a feasible outcome for more Canadians that involves building 1.4 million homes that includes some retrofits and some uh, some repairs as well uh, but it also includes uh, getting to a down payment faster with a rent to own program tax-free account uh, to save up for your your first uh, down payment and we're also going to make the first time home buyer uh, program more um, more efficient more effective and more flexible because as the conservatives have pointed out uh, it hasn't helped enough Canadians so we want to make sure that it can because it has 
helped quite a few people in my riding because the whole first time homebuyers incentive has a large city addition and it goes up to $780,000. And that's great for my riding because there's lots of first time homebuyers in the $450,000 range. And they've been able to access 10% of their home value through the CMHC or draw from their RRSP for tax free. Uh, so it's been working here and I hope it can work in more places across the country. Uh, the second aspect is to build more homes. Like I said, $1.4 million homes. We're going to give the cities more tools to build more homes. We're also going to build more tax, uh, sorry, not tax. We're going to build more um, uh, not-for-profit homes, more homes that are rent-geared income. And we're also going to have a, uh, a rent-to-own program. Uh, we're also going to help generations of families live together by introducing the multi-generational home uh, retrofit and renovation tax, which is great for ridings like mine, where I've got lots of triple generation homes, lots of grandparents, parents, and kids living together. Uh, the third thing that I'm really proud of, we're going to continue to protect, protect your rights and bring in some new regulations to protect home buyers uh, through the process of, of, uh, of, of buying a home. Uh, that includes banning blind bidding. So blind bidding is the process where a real estate agent can just ask for blind bids. And that happens sometimes here in my writing where the second bid is $100,000 less than the first bid. I find that fairly uh, exploitative on the, on the buyer. I know that a lot of real estate agents enjoy uh, how much money it makes them, um, but that doesn't mean that it's right. And we're also going to establish other rights like a legal right to home inspection, uh, a requirement to disclose all of the uh, parties involved in home ownership. Uh, in addition to all that, we're going to crack down on speculative buying and foreign buying uh, by people who buy homes from overseas as an investment to rent out to Canadians. This is the big one for me, Wyatt. I don't believe that every time a Canadian pays rent, they should be paying off somebody else's mortgage. That's why I believe in more not-for-profit housing, more co-op housing, and more rent geared to income that the government should subsidize because housing is a human right. And it's the biggest, one of the biggest reasons that I ran is because if more people had access to co-op housing, uh, then more moms like mine wouldn't have to have make the, the tough decision between kayak lessons and great groceries. My mom was able to afford both and that's how I got to the Olympic games. And since Amy's up in Labrador, I will acknowledge that the kayak that I used is an invention of the Inuit and many other Northern peoples. And I'm very grateful to be able to use that boat as a white guy from Oakville to race a couple of Olympics. <laughs> You're welcome from my ancestors. <laughs> I don't know if which enough uh, that you speak. <laughs> yeah. and uh, i'll just pose one last question hopefully this panel was able to uh, persuade some of my listeners to vote for either one of the three parties but for uh people who aren't yet persuaded we'll start with phil why should uh people consider the uh, conservative party across canada yeah we have we have a bold plan a plan uh, that's uh, over 160 pages that goes through the and will secure the future for canadians so one, we want to secure economic growth by bringing a million jobs back to Canada. We want to increase and support our healthcare system by increasing healthcare funding by over $60 billion. We have a plan that's fiscally responsible that will balance the budget in the next uh, 10 years. We want to secure mental health by putting in a 988 number so that anyone's having a mental health crisis to get the resources they need. This one's very important to me. I've had two people in my circle commit suicide during the pandemic. Um, and so, Oftentimes, it's a matter of getting the help you need right away, not, not tomorrow, next, not next week, not next month, but now. And so all, anyone who's in a difficult situation, conservatives make it so they just have to dial three digits and that help will be there. And other than that, I would just like to send out uh, all the love in the world to everyone out there and know that they're loved. Uh, and uh, thank you guys. And this was an awesome panel. Love the policy discussion. And this is how politics should be done, if I can be so bold. 
All right, Amy, and uh, same question to you. Why should people consider the uh, NDP platform? Thanks, Wyatt. Um, I think our platform's really exciting and it shows a lot of courage. Um, the NDP, we can really create the kind of future that, uh, you know, that, I, that is needed right now, where we take care of one another, uh, we look after each other, we look after our neighbors, we develop that strong social safety net um, with things like national pharmacare and national dental care, um, good, affordable national child care, um, affordable housing, and just make sure that everyone has what they need to live their life and live it happily and healthily. Um, I'm really excited for what we're doing. And I think, you know, people are ready for another option. So I hope you consider it. And uh, it was great talking with you all. Yeah, and uh, Adam, why should people consider the Liberal platform? Thanks, Wyatt. I want to thank my friends from the two other major parties for participating in this, and I couldn't agree more with my friend Phil uh, that this is the way that politics should be done in Canada, and all the yelling and screaming and bickering and, uh, you know, protest is fine, but when it gets, uh, you know, as heated as we've seen across the country sometimes, I think it's um, it doesn't benefit anybody. So I, I really enjoy it. I think we should have more youth inter interviewing us, uh, Phil, because sometimes when you and I are on power in politics, it gets a little bit uh, more negative. Uh, but um, the reason that Canadians should continue to support the Liberal Party uh, is because we uh, have a plan to support Canadians, uh, not just through any one initiative, but all of them. And if you look through our platform at liberal.ca slash our dash platform, it is an, uh, an eight-part portfolio, uh, which really focuses on all of the areas that I'm passionate about. We haven't talked much about climate change today, but climate change is something that needs addressing. And I was really grateful to see the former leader of the Green Party in BC and the former leader of the national NDP uh, really say that the Liberal plan was by far the most. It received an eight out of 10, uh, whereas the other parties were falling a little bit behind that. Our plan for fighting climate change is by far the most ambitious and the most feasible. Uh, we also have a really, really uh, effective uh, and ambitious housing plan, which I've articulated already. Um, we also are focused on moving forward on reconciliation with Indigenous people, fighting racism and discrimination of all kinds with a new bill. We want to build a stronger Canada through investments in healthcare, making sure that seniors are well taken care of. We also have a plan to focus on fairness and growth at the same time by taxing some of the biggest companies in the world, the largest banks and the big insurance companies that have profited off of the pandemic. I'm also really proud of the fact that our party uh, is running on a promise of a wealth tax. It's something that I've advocated before. I'm also really proud of the fact that we have a $6.5 billion mental health strategy. Uh, I hear you, um, Phil. Uh, I'm just as passionate about investments in mental health and I'm glad that it's in everybody's platform so that nobody who, no matter who gets elected, we're likely to have a three digit uh, uh, hotline or quick number, uh, just like 911 for mental health. Uh, our friend Todd Doherty uh, talked about it so much in the House of Commons that I think it really got the attention of Canadians and it's a good plan, it doesn't have to be partisan. I think we need to have a three digit uh, hotline for mental health crisis and for suicide prevention. Last but not least, our plan is the one that's costed. We put a lot of effort into this thing. It's a really, really good platform. We know exactly how much it's gonna cost and it's really, really responsible. So I'd encourage everybody to go to liberal.ca slash our platform and check it out, but certainly check out the other ones as well so we can cost and compare them. All right, uh, Adam, Amy and Phil, thanks for uh, joining me. And uh, Adam, definitely uh, I'll be looking forward to hosting a climate panel as well, um, as well as panels on various other topics. But again, thank you. Uh, Phil, Amy, and Adam, and it's been great talking with all of you here today.
White, amazing job, my man. Yeah, you're, you <laughs> are the next Peter Mansbridge. Uh, this is incredible. Congratulations already. Thank you. This was a blast. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye now. Bye, Wyatt. Bye. Bye.